something. What we're experiencing, what we're in right now is a move of God. Amen. I want you to under, this is a move of God. Amen. And how much, how far we go in that move hinges on how much we honor it on the way. Amen. Um, and so, you know, I always go back to Ezekiel where he says it starts out ankle deep, waist deep, then all the way in. Amen. It was, it, it was a flow of the rivers of life that started ankle deep. And we got we to gotta honor the ankle deep if we're ever going to get to the waist deep. And if we got to honor the waist deep if we're going to get to all the way in. Amen. And understanding the progressive nature, amen, of the move of God. Amen. You got to recognize the move of God when it's in a, when it's yet a, um, when it's yet in its um, infant stages. It's not as big as it's going to be. But, but you can see this is a move of God. This is going to change the world. You have to be like the three wise men that when Jesus was born, they were wise enough to recognize before this boy can talk. Before this young man, before, before this, this young man can, can dress and cleanse himself, that this is the savior of the world. Amen. You got to be able to recognize it in its infi- infantile status so you can properly care for it. Because, man, when it's a move of God, there's, uh, whether we know it or not, the devil does. The Bible says during that same time, when the greatest move of God, God himself being born in the earth... Was, was, was coming about that Herod then began to set out to kill the move of God before the move. Come on now. He, it was a move of God. Herod set out to kill the firstborn. He, he was trying to kill the move of God. God. The enemy always tries to kill the move of God when it's in its infantile state. Because many times we don't even recognize what we have before it's dead. That's why the Bible says in Revelation 12 that the dragon stands is a woman in travailing to give birth in heaven. And there's a dragon with, oh, glory be to God, with one third of the stars he has, he has now enticed into following him by his tail. And the Bible says he, he stands at the end of the birthing table waiting for the, the child to be born that he may devour that child the moment it comes into the earth. Glory be to God. And so what we got to understand is the, uh, the enemy doesn't wait until the move of God grows to try to kill it. The the enemy is tracking the move of God from a come, come. and that's why it's so important that we care for and that we now value what we have right now amen because the enemy does he knows it's a threat right now amen and so so I thank God for that we, we, it's so difficult to move from an anointing from an atmosphere where the from anointing to academic, it's almost like, man, from the, from the weight of God's presence more into an academic type of flow. But I want to do that. We're going to do institute tonight. Um, of obviously, we're going to do our institute. And I want to share something about the institute to help you understand. It's FFIC. It's Fivefold Institute of Equipping and Commissioning. This is equipping work, amen, that we're doing here. And I'm dealing with you on in him. Anybody have any idea how many times the New Testament says the two words in him? It would blow your mind. I want you to look it up. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to, 
track how many times the New Testament says in him. The point I'm trying to make is about this, this is not like collegiate level spiritual teaching. This isn't for people who've already got the basics. And all honestly, in him is a part of the basics. This is foundational teaching. It's just not the foundational teaching we were taught. Is what I'm trying to say. So don't think we're like doing, all right, so what about all the people who don't know this, 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 and this? Our problem is we don't know this. In him is fundamental. It's just as fundamental as faith. It's just as fundamental as repentance from dead works. It's, it's, it's tied and intertwined into all of that. So what, the reason why I want to do that is so we can stop treating it as if this is something for leaders and not something for every believer. Amen. It's for every, everybody say it's for every believer. The revelation of in him ain't for the astute. It ain't for the people who, you know, go to theological school. That's for the believer. For us to properly function as the, for, in what God purchased for us to function in. We need to understand the revelation of in him. In him. Amen. So I want to do that. Why? So also want to say this, so we don't think this is pass and fail. This isn't to see who can fail and who can pass. This is now for us to understand, why do we give tests and homework afterwards? Because in all honesty, every word you're taught, you're going to be tested on. It ain't going to be paper and pencil either. It's going to be life. And you, me and you are going to be held accountable for every word we heard and how we implemented it when it was time to implement that word. There's a test coming every time we hear the word of God. You know what the Bible says? If any man hears the, the gospel of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then the wicked one comes, come on Bible scholars, and does what? Takes away what was sown in there. In other words, if God teaches it, he expects you to understand it. Right? Right? He says he'll come if you, if it is the taught word of God, then you can understand it. I need you to say, I can understand this. Understand Amen. I can understand. This is, this is key for us because if we don't understand it and we stay there, then the devil has all the right in the world to take it from us. Then the one, wicked one come and taketh away that which was sown in our hearts. Amen. If we can't understand it, no matter what, then the Bible says this. It is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it's not given unto them. In other words, if God created it for the son and daughter and we can't understand it, then we got to start asking, are we a part of the remnant according to the election of grace? Amen. Because it's not understanding it mentally. It's spiritual. Comparing spiritual things, come on, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, with spiritual things. You don't understand it with this head. You understand it with the head that's in your heart. Your head is in your heart. Who is that? What's head is in your heart? Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church and gives understanding from the heart. Then from the heart renews the mind. Amen. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Heart, soul, mind, devotional order. For you that remember that, all right? And so, so I'm going to share some things 
and institute tonight that are in him. But I promise you, these are literally foundational things. They are not. Uh, sure, yeah, you, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you need a team, boy. Especially when you me. Glory to God. All right. Now, I want to deal with course one, class number five. We're in five. We're dealing with in him. And I, if I had to, to place a tag on this, I would place the tag on it should be. Understanding the should be nature of being in him. Right? One thing that is lost in the gospel in, in the Americanized, Western, modern gospel is the aspect of the gospel's expectation of the believer. He's, the Bible talks about how we are to obey the gospel of Christ. In other words, it's not just good news you hear, but it's good news you expect. There's an expectation of obedient action upon that gospel and we've nullified the expectation so therefore in many cases we don't know what it is anymore we think God's highest expectation of us is not sinning and it's not amen God's highest expectation of us is not to walk in unbelief you can stop sinning and still not believe God Our problem is our target is too low. It's not the target that God set for us. The only reason why we go into sin is what we do when we're not doing the things believers do. It's something to preoccupy time. Why didn't Israel enter the promised land? Because of what? Unbelief. Come on, all you got to do is read Hebrews chapter 3, 4, and 5. They did not enter into my rest because of unbelief. In other words, they did not believe me to do what I told them to do. See, there are things that we're faced with that God is telling us to do every single day. And, when, and what we don't understand is our level of obedience to God, once we move beyond the sin thing, amen, is belief that we can do what God told us to do, which has everything to do with believing who God said we are. All of Israel got delivered, but none of only two of them entered the promise. You know why? Because they did not believe they were who God told them to be. And God said, because of that, I was furious and I swore in my wrath that they would not enter into my rest. You know what their indictment was? Their indictment was I'm in the club. Their indictment, or excuse me, wasn't I'm in the club. Their indictment wasn't I sleep with women. Their indictment wasn't I use drugs. Their indictment was we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Therefore, we were like grasshoppers in our sight. That was their indictment. They didn't see themselves like God saw them. They saw themselves like their enemy saw them. We were like grasshoppers in our sight, in their sight. You got me right. 
So therefore, we were like grasshoppers in. We saw ourselves like our enemy saw us. How many believers do you know that see themselves like their enemy sees them? I fight with depression. I'm, I fight with this. I'm, I'm, I'm bound with this. I'm, we're allowing how our enemy sees us to tell us how to see us. That's called unbelief. Amen. We have to now raise the mark. There's a higher. Ex- God has an expectation of me and you based on him saying, I have conformed you into the image of my, my whole purpose for you. I made the provision for us as a church to be conformed. That comes with an expectation. Amen. An expectation of belief. And so I want to deal with something that's important for us from an expectation standpoint that I know we don't hear that's not popular in Christianity. But I promise you one thing. When you stand before your king, you'll appreciate teaching like this. Oh, there's a day coming. Make no mistake about it. And I guarantee you this fluffy, carnal, tickle me Elmo Christianity Ain't preparing nobody for nothing. Amen. So now watch this. Because God ain't going, he's not going to judge us based on whether we're sinners. He's going to judge us based off of whether we're godly. It's godliness. Godlikeness. That we're going to be judged on. Amen. Because in the beginning... God said, let us make in our, how much we're like the God that he, how much we have realigned ourselves with the original plan. That was the original plan. He didn't change it. That's what we got to understand. And guess what, y'all? That ain't collegian. That's foundation. That's foundational stuff we need to be fruitful believers it ain't deep stuff. It ain't way down the low road when you learn other stuff. Amen? That's what I need y'all to get. All right, so, so now, now watch this. So understanding the prophetic position called in him, right? And so I want to go back to, it's actually Ephesians 1 and 4. We flipped it, Ephesians 4 and 1, and that's on me because I had to get a last-second PowerPoint designer. Because Lady Mary, as you know, she's not here today. She took my daughter to a college tour in Charlotte. They haven't been able to make it back yet. She usually makes sure she does my PowerPoints. And um, so I had to get a last-second fill-in, you know. Somebody look out because I can't do it. I don't, I don't know how to do it. I, I thought about a few people that I went to. I ain't going to call them out. I, but they did, they did a phenomenal job. All right? All right. Ephesians chapter 1. verse. That's actually Ephesians 1 and 4. Okay? Right? It says, according, watch this, as he hath chosen us in him. Everybody say in him. Before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, before I jump to that, remember what we dealt with last time. What did we dealt with last time? That he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in where? Christ Jesus. So Christ isn't just in heaven. More accurately, heaven is in what? And so to be in Christ is to have access to heavenly places. Now. Amen. And we dealt with that. 
and the ramifications of, of, of entering into him to receive spiritual blessings that we can now turn around and be a blessing to point people back to who we're in. Amen? Right? So, so we dealt with that last time. So I'm going to continue that type of, that type of um, um, train of thought. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The first thing I want you to notice is the fact that there's two realities that we're called into in that verse. Ephesians 1 and 4, there are two realities that we're called into, into that verse, in that verse, right? Those two realities are number one, in him, and number two, in love. I want y'all to notice that. It says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In him and in love. The last one is what makes the first one work. In love is what makes in him work. Right? I, I want to teach for a little bit because a lot of times it's like, well, I'm in him, I'm in him. But there's not very little experience. There's very little benefit of that. It's more of a mental consciousness. It's more of a mental acknowledgement. But it's not our actual experience like God wants it to be our experience. Amen. We're supposed to really live under the, how do we, what's, how do we function in him? What is the, what, how do we do that? How do we, you know, I know I'm in him, but how do I? In a sense, I'm in the car. How do I crank it? And how do I make it go? Right? In a sense is what I'm saying. And this helps us understand that. In him and what? In love. So this is what I want y'all to understand. In love gives us permission to experience what? In him. In love is what gives us permission to experience in him. See, without being in love with him, we aren't allowed entrance into the heavenly places in him. Love is the key. Passion. Desire. Right? Exaltation. Attention. He has our praise. That's why God, this move of this, God is heightening the adulation in the house again. He's heightening the praise and the worship where we're just giving ourselves over to God. Why? Because we're dealing within him. But he knows in order to drive the car called in him, you got to use the gas called in love. That's the, that's the gas that must be in the tank. There's a lot of people that are in him but ain't in enough love with him to actually drive it. If I could say it like that, does that make sense? Amen. And so for many people, heaven just becomes a place that you go to one day after you die. And then the people who are actually experiencing heavenly places become the people that are just exaggerating and need to get a life. You know, you see, you see people when they in, in heavenly places, something. Man, but folk go in 
And the person who's not in enough love and don't understand what's happening in that love to give them access to their in him position sits and shakes their head and said, I would never act like that. But they don't get it. They don't understand because if you're going to actually function in, in him, you will have to be in love. And if you're going to be in love, you're going to offend a whole bunch of people who actually wants to be more respected than they do express praise unto God. If you want to hold on to, to your reputation, if you want to look like you got it all together, I don't know about you, but there was a time I was a drunk and I couldn't, I didn't know how to stop drinking. I tried everything I could to stop drinking. And one day God came in, busted me out of that prison, brought me out and made me where I didn't even have a taste for it anymore. And don't you sit up there and tell me after I tried everything I could, I'm not going to try to behave myself for somebody who wants to judge me because they don't have enough propensity to recognize how much God needs to be blessed you're getting word from a drunk I ain't supposed to be up here you don't get it you're getting Hallelujah. I ain't supposed to be up here doing what I'm doing. But God. And not one time I preach do I ever forget. So now watch this. So in love gives us permission to experience what? In him. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we drive that car. Right? I'm going to show you another um, verse, Galatians 5 and 6. And it really backs up this principle. It really backs up this principle. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. But watch this. But faith, and how does faith work? By love. Glory to God. Amen. Faith works by love. And I'm going to extend on that a little bit, but definitely remember that verse because love is what makes faith work. And I'm going to extend on that a little bit. I need y'all to get that, right? Because a lot of people want to continue to walk in faith that don't have the level of love that can facilitate that nature of faith. I want to have faith this big, but my love is this big. I got, I'm trying to believe God for something this big with this much love to back it up or to, to be its substructure. But love is actually what makes faith work. That's a principle that me and you must understand. That is not a collegiate principle. That's actually foundation. Thou shalt love the Lord thy with all of thy mind, soul, heart, soul, mind, strength, excuse me. That's, that's stuff that it starts there. But so many people want to believe God that don't actually practically exercise consistent love for him on a practical i'm not saying you don't i know you love him mentally but there is not practicality to it it's almost like if i say i love my wife but then i'll see you when i see you and if i can fit you in my schedule right and i know i ain't seen you in a while but i'm tired today you know how many know it probably ain't going to work? 
It ain't going to work. Right? Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that do what? The end of faith is him. The end of faith isn't what you're trying to do. The end of faith is who he is. If he's not the ultimate goal of our faith, then our faith isn't faith that's going to overcome. Right? So this is what I need you to understand. And why, why does faith work through love? Faith works through loving him because he's actually the object of my faith. And on my way to getting him, on my way to going after him, he adds everything else. Right? And so the, the first thing I need you to understand is the ultimate goal of faith isn't to believe God to do it. It's to believe God for God. That when I pray in the morning, God's going to be there. You'll be surprised how many people pray that don't believe that. That when I praise God by myself, that God's going to be there. You'll be surprised how many people don't believe that. That actually pray and wonder, God, are you hearing me? Man, that's the last question. I got on my mind. I look, <laughs> look here, I already know you're hearing me. Glory to God. Yeah, I probably don't need that no more. It might fly again, man. My gosh. So what we got to understand is this, right? It isn't to believe God can do it. It's to believe God to come. Why? Because once he comes, whatever needs to be done will not be a problem. If God is here, I don't care if we got to cross a Red Sea. If God is here, I don't care if we have to outrun a chariot. If God is here, I don't care if we have to kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. If God is here, I don't care if he's been dead for three days and his name is Lazarus. He can come. If God is here, I don't care if you were born blind from your mother's womb. This is for the glory of God to be real. If God, once he comes doing is no longer a question. We're trying to get him to do instead of get him to come, which makes the doing easy. And believe it or not, this is foundation. Faith is about God. So a lot of people, man, when God comes in and we, going crazy people looking like why y'all going so crazy because actually what we really want showed up faith is about God and whatever else needs to happen in my life I already know it's going to happen because God is here amen he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Why? Because once God comes, everything that is opposing him bows. Amen? The doing is to be a secondary consequence of the coming. Amen? Anybody ever thought, I'll never forget, because, you know, the enemy attack you sometimes. And I was on my way to preach, and 
Brian was riding me. We were on our way to Alkaloo. And, and of course, the spirit of doubt began to attack me some and make me feel like, you know, the enemy will tell you you're unqualified, that ain't nothing going to move. And, you know, you, you didn't move. I mean, for, for weeks, God has been blessing, increasing, releasing them and all type of stuff. But nah, it was just, it was just a fluke. You, you don't feel right. It ain't going to be right. And then we were just riding and it was quiet. He didn't know I was going, kind of dealing with that warfare. And I probably should have told him because he's armor bearing. He's supposed to cover me. And I should have told him that. Then he said, man, you mind if I cut on some music? I said, oh, sure. He cut on some worship music. And man, I began to worship. And literally within seconds, within seconds, all of that lifted and an assurity came and with instruction, with instruction to, to I, uh, glory be to God, because now God is here. So whatever needs to be done is going to be done. Right. So let me, let me say this. Doing is easy when coming has happened. Right. We're trying to get God to do instead of get him to come. And if you actually get him to come, it might not even be time yet. But since he's there, he'll do it anyway. Ask his mama at the wedding of Cana. It ain't even time yet, but you know I'm here, ain't it? Go ahead and tell him to fill up the water pots. It wasn't even time for him to do it, but since he's here, see, there's some things you'll get before it's time when you learn how to keep him here. Whew. Glory to God. There's some things you'll get before they're on the calendar when you learn how to keep them here. Amen. And so where passion is lacking, faith isn't what? working faith works by what love where passion is lacking faith isn't what if you saw see somebody who isn't passionate about god and pursuing god i'm standing on you'll hear them say stuff like i'm standing on it i'm trying to believe it i'm holding on to my faith i'm pushing through i'm pulling which none of those means faith is working because that's not how faith works because faith doesn't give us the victory faith itself is the victory if you have faith, you have victory. You don't use faith to get it. If you have it, you got it. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith, you don't get faith to get victory. If you got faith, you got victory. So I'm, I'm trying to hold on to my faith that it ain't working. That, didn't, that means it didn't work. Faith ain't working. And faith always works, so that means love is lacking. The passion piece is missing. The, the thing that makes that faith work. Amen? So, so, amen. Once that passion is working, and you remember how, when we really go up and you come out of that, you just look at each other. I know God done did it. I know. They don't, they ain't got no proof. Ain't got no report. Ain't got nothing. All we did was have a crazy time in God where folks messed up their makeup, sweated and shouted. We just all walk out like saying God did that. Why? Why is faith working? Love. 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 
Amen? Does that make sense? All right, so passion for him gives us permission to do what? Experience him. You know why we believe God is going to do something? Because we're actually being touched by God. We, you know why we believe God is going to do something? Because we're actually experiencing him. You know why we believe God is going to do something? Because we're actually hearing him. Faith gives us, through faith, we can actually experience him. And if we know he's here, we ain't got no doubt something's about to happen. An intervention is coming. A shift is happening. This ain't going to stay like it was. Amen. And so permission for him gives us a passion for him, excuse me, gives us permission to experience him. You don't ever have to wait for God to come. Never. Amen. Passion. He will not deny. You know what he said? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you keep my commandments, I will love you. And me and my father will come and make our abode with you. And come and do what? Manifest. You know what? Manifest, not, not show myself. He said manifest myself to you. In other words, it might be a hundred people in there. But the five folks loving them are going to actually experience him while the 95 going to be wondering what y'all going crazy for. He manifests himself. Amen? Amen? So without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because he's the bullseye of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him because without faith, it's impossible to experience him. God isn't pleased when there's space between us and him. God is never pleased when there, what he wants more than anything else is not our destiny. He wants me and you. Amen? He wants us. And he's never pleased when we're not operating in faith because without faith, we can't get to him. And the, the fuel of faith is actually love or passion for him. And so everything is orchestrated around us to subtract passion while at the same time doing something neutral. So the world is, the Bible says the world, the people of the world by wisdom knew not God. The world's wisdom subtracts our passion without saying you're actually sinning. It's just neutral stuff that'll keep us from ever having the, la the level of love that can cause our faith to work. Amen? And so that's why we love not the, neither the things of the, because to the degree we do, we can't have that love that actually makes faith what? Work. That's why it just can't. You can't have both. And I know Western Christianity has taught us we can, and we've traded in the fire of God. We've traded in the presence of God for the things, success we have and the things we, we can obtain. And it, for a moment, will satisfy you when you first get it. But after a while, you'll figure out something is still missing. I wish I could get a witness up in here. I got the money I want, but something is still missing. I got the car, but something, something is still missing. Amen. 
Bless the Lord. Take it from somebody. I'm telling you, when you get those things, if you're really the elect, that won't satisfy you. And I know somebody's saying, well, let me find out. <laughs> Face out. <laughs> Face outcome is him. That faith must be fueled by love, right? Now watch this. I want to shift gears a little bit. Before we go on, any questions or comments about anything we went over up to this point? Anybody? Amen? How many ready to love on God? Come on, how many made up in your mind? Love is a decision. It's a decision. Come on, man, I'm telling you. The world needs love. Do y'all, need, do y'all hear? The world needs love. And our problem is we've always accorded, equated that to giving somebody food who's hungry. That ain't the love the world need. They need to see people who actually love God. A love that can free them. Because I can give you a coat. And I ain't knocking that. Give them a coat. But you can still go back home and beat your wife. Because they didn't deliver you from that domestic... <clears throat> But if I can give you the love of God, glory be to God. If I can slap his love on you, will you get too close to him for domestic violence to stay in you? You ain't here. It got to go because you too close to him. Amen. Watch this. Passion for him gives us permission to believe him. Man, that's heavy. I want y'all to, those two are heavy. Passion for him actually gives us permission to believe him. Passion is permission. Right? Our belief in him can't go any further than our passion for him. To the degree we don't have passion for him, our conversation will be, I'm trying to believe God. I'm trying to believe him. I'm trying to stand on his word. Man, I ain't got time to be trying to do nothing. We ain't got no trying time. Passion for him gives me permission. Faith works by love. Amen? Faith works by love. So you, you start sounding crazy because you just believe in God for all type of stuff. It's like, well, how that going to happen? I don't know. All I know is what I was praising God. He, yeah. He said it. Amen. See, when we hear God say something that we can't see happening, our response needs to be love. Otherwise, we'll never be in a position to actually believe what he showed us. Amen. So when he let me me, uh, keep this going. Right, and I, and I, I shortened this. I promise y'all I did it this time. It's Ephesians 1 and 4, not 4 and 1. Okay, just to, again. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I want y'all, I want to put my laser on two words. This is where we get into the expectation. This is where we start trying to tear down some of the idols and high places that the Western Christianity has created that's keeping us outside of walking in the power of faith. 
the two words I want you to notice is should be. Everybody say should be. Right? He says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we sh- holy and without blame. How? When God comes to us and engages us and we're in him, he never comes to us with what we could be. He always communicates to us in who we should be. Not you could be holy. No, you should be holy. Not you could be free. No, what are you waiting for? You should be free. You know, no, no, he doesn't. And our problem is we're thinking God is saying, rooting us on, come on, you're going to get it. Keep chucking. Keep chucking at it. Keep on going up the mountain. You're going to finally get it one day. And God is looking at us and saying, no, you, you're in me. You should be victorious. You should be in peace. You should be righteous. You should be holy. You should be able to obey. You should should be able to break the sin where in now this keep in mind this ain't next level stuff this is basic and because we don't understand these basics we've made the life of the believer something that it's not see in him there is only Not can be or could be. Amen? Wow. Can you imagine being in God and saying, man, he's saying, well, you could be free. Or would he say, you you should be free? He doesn't come and tell us we can be free. He comes and tells us you should be free. He doesn't come and tell us you can be victorious. He comes and tells us you should be. He doesn't come and tell us you could have joy. He comes and tells us you. You know why? Because we're in. God only deals with us from a should be dimension. Never from a could be dimension. When. We're in Christ. Now, I'm not talking about the individual that's outside of Christ because they don't have the benefit. They can't enter into his rest. This goes back to that teaching, too. Entering into Christ is entering into rest. What Jesus was saying was, I am the Sabbath. Come unto me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you, take my yoke upon you. You're looking for a day, and it's actually a person. And now I want you to enter into me and live the rest of your life in that rest. But when they heard my voice, they hardened not their heart. They didn't mix the word with faith. Therefore, they never entered into my. And they spent the rest of their lives wondering. In Christ, God doesn't deal with us from a could be dimension. He deals with us. The in him dimension is the should be dimension. It doesn't guarantee you will be, but you. It doesn't guarantee you will ever be that, but you. There's nothing holding you back from it. Not in him. 
Amen? Why is that naturally right? Because what if I say, man, I just got this bondage, but I am what? In him. What am I saying is in him? The devil just keep on beating me, but I'm saying I'm what? What am I saying is in him? The devil's ability to defeat him. See, even from a natural standpoint, if we and me and you just think about this thing, I just want somebody to start poking their chest out and saying, hold on a minute. I'm tired of being the devil's because ain't nobody ever told me. Amen. It's what I call, watch this, it's what I call the principle of divine demand. This is what the Lord gave me, and this is something, that I, honestly, I wrote over two years ago. It's the principle of divine demand. In him, God doesn't ask us to be holy. He demands us to be holy. You, that you should be holy and blameless. Before me in what? Love. If you think about the parables and you think about Jesus coming back and he says how we should watch, you will notice he doesn't, he doesn't approach nor judge any of his servants. I don't even know where we got that could be from because if you notice in the parables in any of the Bible stories, it's never you could have done better. You could have kept the house in order. You, you could have, you could have uh, watched no, it's always you should have watched. You should have been a good steward. You should have done. It was, it's always this. I don't know where we got that other part from. Why? But he doesn't do that or give us that expectation out of our own strength. He says, I'm going to put you in me. So now you're in what's in me. Right? You're, you're in holiness. You're in righteousness. You're in peace. You're in the one who has the keys to death and hell. So you should be. Right? But that's by faith, which works through what? Amen? I think we have to emphasize passion and love more than we do in the church. For God. God doesn't ask us to be righteous. He demands us to be righteous. Why? You know why? Because in him moves us out of the dimension called what God can do. Into the dimension called what God has. To be in Jesus is to be in what God has done. In Christ isn't anything God is doing. In Christ is what God has. Before he said we were in him, he, Jesus made sure he said, Mario, it is finished. It is finished before we ever got access to in him. Amen? Does that mean we don't walk with people? That, does that mean we don't process them? We don't mature? No, we don't go through maturity and none of those. It doesn't mean any of those things. But what it means is we need, we need to know where we're supposed to end up. We need to understand what God actually accomplished and not demean it.
Amen? So, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead what? Bodily. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So now, to be in Christ is to be what? Right. Outside of Christ, God is still what? Doing. To be in Christ is to be in done. Outside of Christ, God is still what? Doing. That's important. If you're in Christ, whatever you're doing now, and I know we hear it, but it needs to click, is already what? Done. So if you're, if you're literally working through something right now, your ability to do what you're working through hinges on you understanding you're in done already. The reason why I can do it is because I'm in done now. Amen? It goes back to actual condition versus current condition. It's the same type of principle. God says, I'm, I'm going to put you in done and then tell you to do it. And if you ever do it, hinges on whether or not you believe you're in done. Amen? God is done giving us joy. He's done giving us peace. He's done giving us righteousness. He's done giving us victory. He, he's done. I mean, completely done. You know what you do with something that is done? You, you remember how it was when you played outside all day? And I, maybe I'm showing my age because we don't do that no more. But, but man and big mama holler out. Y'all come in. The food is done. Hey, we're running to the table because we know at that point we don't have to. Nothing has to be prepared. Nothing has to be gotten out. All we got to do is come and get it. It's already waiting on us. See, what I'm telling you is joy is waiting. Just come and get it. Peace is waiting. Just come and get it. Victory is waiting. Just come and get it you can't come and get it until you know it's done so we're trying to obtain stuff instead of go get stuff because we're trying to do it instead of understanding it's already done somebody shall come and get it he said but people make light of that do you understand what i'm describing right now is the marriage supper of the lamb i made all this meat i'm Right now, I got all this stuff laid out, but people make light of it. They think it's a fairy tale. They think you're just giving winsful, wishful thinking, and I got real stuff to do. I got a real job and a real business and a real this, and not understanding this is the marriage supper. We got to come get it. It's already. The table's set. I need to find somebody that actually is hungry for it. Amen. And so. But to be in Christ is to be in done. To be in Christ is to be in done. Outside of Christ, God is still doing. But to be in Christ is to be in what? Done. Can you imagine coming to Christ and telling him, look, I would have, but I just couldn't get there. You know what he says to many of those individuals? He said, I never do what I never what? And that's the term of being in something. That is the 
if you look up the Greek word for know, it is the, the uh, idiom for intercourse. When a man is in a woman and a woman is in a... What he was saying was, you, ain't, you haven't been in me. Amen? Oh, not that you weren't, but you never took your privilege. You never actually realized it. Amen? And so, so now, now watch this, and I'm almost done. Watch this. So done is not an action. Done is a person. To be in him is to be in done. He is, he is alpha and omega. He is savior, but he's also done. Amen. He's the Lord of hosts, but he's also done. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but he's also done. Whatever we're facing right now, if we're in him, we're in what? Done. Why don't you ever sweat about anything, anybody? Because it's really already. It's already done. And the only way the enemy can defeat me is if he pulls me out of that faith posture. Now, it's a faith position. It's something that I believe, right? Through hearing. Amen? And, and so... I'm going to say this, moving into the place called done empowers you what? With the grace to do. It empowers us with the grace to do. Moving, moving, understanding that I'm in him, I'm in done. Right? What if God, man, is, is trying to bring me to the place where I'm done with anger problems, right? I don't know, I'm just throwing something out there. But, you know, and this is a real issue for people. It's just, man, I lose it sometimes, and I just go off, and I just whatever. But then I recognize that I'm already done with anger issues, right? And I approach my battle with anger from the fact that I'm already done with it. How long will it take me to actually go through the process of change? It won't take long, right? It, it won't take long at all. I'm going to get it because I already got it. Man, if somebody tell me tomorrow, I got $5,000 for you now. Man, is you going to wait till Friday to get it? No, it's done. It's, a, it's just sitting there waiting on you. Like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not waiting. I don't know about you, but I ain't waiting till Friday. I'm going to get my 5K right in me. You say it's done, me. Not now, me. Right in me. Give it to me. Right? Give it to me right now. Right? If I have peace, man, I'm not finna sit up there and wait for no two years. Give it to me now. If I got, give it to me now. What am I gonna wait for? Now, faith. We're allowing the enemy to trick us into putting in the future something we have, right? Right now. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart like they did in Israel and say, I'll do it tomorrow if I'm knocking today. 
The one who already did it is saying, let me in. Let me into your thought processes. Let me into your paradigm. Let me into whatever you fixated in your mind that's putting off for tomorrow something I already did yesterday. Amen? So, so now, watch this. So I will say this much, and this is good news for, for us. Jesus doesn't require perfection to get into him. He brings us into him to perfect us. Amen? Ain't that a blessing? That's, I, that's good news. I don't know who, who that's for, but it's still good news for me. Amen? Am I in God? Well, you better believe it. Now, let's learn how to drive. Come on, if we got this road, let's learn how to drive this thing. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be little, just to give us an image, image, an understanding. Amen? That's why he says, I would that you were hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'm a what? I'm a vomit you out of my mouth. Why? Because you didn't get there because you were perfect. You got there to be perfected. Amen? And some people don't take advantage of their opportunity. Amen. Some people don't take advantage. You need to make sure you take advantage of your opportunity. Right. All right. So now. God communicates to us out of a should be place, not a could be place, because what he has done. Because of what he's done. Divine demand didn't always. Okay, let me stop right there. And I, and I'm, I promise you. I ain't got much left, and I'm going to go through this, and we'll be done. Um, anybody have any questions about anything I shared up to this point? Any questions? Comments? Divine demand. What is God? divine demand? God telling us what we should be. Not dealing with us on a could-be level. That thou should be holy and without blame before us in love. And that divine demand, that should-be level that God deals with us on, that he's calling us to, that should-be level is inextricably tied to predestination. And I'm not going to go deep into predestination because that's a whole nother teaching. Um... You know, that a lot of people don't understand when he, he talks about how Jacob have I loved or Esau have I hated. And that was all. And he did that both before they were born. And he was trying to expound on predestination. And that's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. How could you hate somebody before they was born and love somebody before they were born? Well, that's through foreknowledge. God knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. And he also knows how we're going to respond to the gospel. So he rejects us or receives us based on how we're going to respond to the gospel before we're born because he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. Does that make sense? It ain't like he says, no, I don't want you and I want you. I'm going to give everybody the same gospel, but I already know how you're going to respond to it. Amen? So that, but that's the whole one. So divine demand, predestination, 
What is predestination? To decide beforehand. To decree one's destiny from eternity. Divine demand has everything to do with predestination. Right? I don't want to Greek you out. Um, and I'm just going to give you this one Greek term because of the way that it kind of sets up the definition of predestination, right? Um, but I don't want to Greek you out. Um, and so divine demand, predestination, decide beforehand. Um, pro is two words that make up the Greek word for predestination. The first word pro, that word pro means before, uh, before and horizon to define. So literally, predestination is before we were born, God defined us or gave us our meaning to life. We were predestinated. Amen? God knew us. And when he says, away from me, I never knew you, it's going to be based on how much of how he knew us before we were in our mother's womb that we actually embraced. He's, gonna, he's not going to say based off of what happened to you when you're, um, when, what, what happened to you when you were 12, when, what happened to you when you were 15. When you happened, that has nothing to do with God knowing us. He's not trying to bring us back to that because that doesn't really define who we are. Who he knew us as was before all that. I knew you before your mama. And I'm not trying to bring you back to the good old days after you came out of your mama. I want to give you back who you were in me before the foundations of the world. Amen? That's why it's so important to be born again. Because we were born with certain attributes. We were bitten like our parents. So, man, sometimes you got people who never meet their parents. I mean, walk like them. Talk like them. Got tendencies like them. So if my, if my mom or dad ran the streets, I got a tendency to do what? Run the streets. If they had an anger problem, I got a tendency to have one too. But God says my answer to that ain't trying to fix you. My answer to that is unless a man be born again, he cannot. What I'm going to do is I'm going to regene you. That's what regeneration is. You no longer are liable to align with the genes from your parents. When you're born of me, I give you my genes. And see, we need to understand that too. That's foundation. I don't after being born again say the reason why I'm like this is because my mama was this and my daddy was this that's validation I don't understand what really happened when I got saved I no longer owe any allegiance to who I am to who birthed me naturally unless a man be born again my God when God finishes with me and you folks won't be able to recognize who we are that ain't the boy in the yearbook. Amen? Regen you know, Y'all know that's what regeneration is. Regening. Getting new genes. Amen? All right, I'm going to show you this and I'm closing. Any questions about that? Glory to God. 
Man, this stuff is good to me all over again. God, why are you so good? Woo! Everybody's saying I'm getting old, Mother Jean. Because I'll be using examples don't nobody know. <laughs> I'll be dating myself. And I, I ain't hip no more, yeah. But bless his name. Romans 8 and 29, predestination. Says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did what? If I foreknowledge gave you a predestination, because I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, I gave you a destiny before you were in your mother's womb. I for for those he foreknew, did he predestinate to be what? Unto the image of his son. Not to look like mom and dad, but to look like my only begotten son. Amen? That he might be the firstborn among many what? We were predestinated to be conformed into the image of who? Of Jesus. That's our destiny. So, our, and y'all heard me say this before, but I need y'all to get it. Our destiny is actually an identity. It's not a location. Sometimes God will mess up our desti- our location to make sure we get our identification right. Because we think, we, like, God, why did I end up here? Because he's not so much involved at where you are, but who you become. And sometimes who you need to become um, um, demands a valley more than it does a mountain. Why am I in the valley? Because you about to miss your destiny. Which is an identity. Right? To be predestinated. Now this is key. To be predestined is actually to be predesigned. Predestined. If my identity if my destiny is an identity and God knew me, he pre-designed me. This is where we get it messed up. This is what we get to get together. Amen. Somebody say, I've been pre-designed. I was shaped by God before I was shaped in iniquity and sin. God shaped me before I was formed in sin and shaping in iniquity. I had a form before that form. And we're trying to get God to fix what sin and iniquity formed us into. And he's not trying to fix what sin and iniquity formed us into. He's trying to give us back our original form. Who he foreknew. Amen. So to be predestined is actually to be pre-designed. So Predestination is the fact that we were supposed to, who we're supposed to be was designed, what? Beforehand. As soon as we say predestination, we start thinking business. We start thinking money. We start thinking um, success and obtainments in this world. None of those are our destiny. You know why? Because you're not going to keep them. But who you are, you get to keep forever. There's only one thing we get to keep forever from this world. Who we are. 
That's our destiny. We won't keep the cars. We won't keep the jobs. We won't keep the accolades. We won't even keep the plaques. They'll have to go to mama or somebody. We keep nothing but who we become. Amen? So, we, are wi- we were wired beforehand. We were designed beforehand. Our mind, the way we're supposed to see life, our outlook, our temperament, our view, our, our attitude, all of those things were designed beforehand. They, they, it's not because I grew up in New York that I just got a short temper. New York didn't form me. Come on. You know, we give all these reasons of why we're, we give stuff a right to identify us that has no right to identify us. Amen? And so God, he's pre-designed all that. And the people who have enough faith to go back to their original design, amen, are those who actually benefit from being in him. Right? So God shows up, Tony, in the midst of the storm. And you know what he says? I'm talking about it's storming bad. You know what he says to me and you? You should have peace. Well, hold on, it's storming. But I know how I designed you. And a lot of people say, well, that ain't what he did. That's exactly what he did. He looked at them and said, what y'all tripping for? In the middle of the storm. Why? Because I pre-designed you. Amen. You're supposed to have peace in the middle. He will literally, at a time you've been betrayed, and at a time it seems like stuff ain't working in your life, he'll show up and look at you and say, you should have joy. You know why? Because he pre-designed you. I wired your joy to be greater than the trial. I know how I've wired you, and it's just a matter of not if we're willing to obey. Not, not drinking, not, not smoking, but believing those giants bow to the design of who I am in Christ Jesus. Amen? Last thing. It, it has to do with identity more than in location and function. Um, predestination does. Identity is who we are becoming. See, man, if me and you are doing this right, who you are today shouldn't be who you are in five, six, seven, eight months. Who you are today shouldn't be who you are next year. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I'm always going to be me. That's a, that's a problem. You shouldn't always just be you. We're being conformed into him. Something ought to be shifting in him. In him. Amen. And so, this last thing, in him there's no could be, in him is only should be, because in him is what? It's who, are, it's who we originally are. That's what God is forming in us. That's what God is making us. Um, I dealt with that whole entire teaching from the linchpin. I, I, I entitled it should be. Because the Bible talks about in Ephesians 1 and 3 how we should be holy and without blame before him where? In love. In love. You know, there's so many scriptures that back up that principle. Beloved, now 
When are we the sons of God? But then it says, although we're now the sons of God, it does not yet appear. So who we are isn't even done coming to the surface. It does not yet appear what we should be. Who I am has not fully surfaced yet. Right? Beloved, now we are the sons of God, but it does not appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So we won't be ashamed at his coming. You know when we'll be, if we'll be ashamed at his coming? When we come and he looks at us and don't, isn't like he's looking in the mirror. He wants to look at us and, and look at himself when he's looking at us. That's what he's calling us to. That's not not sinning. That's godliness. It's godliness. That's the mark of the believer. That's the call that we're called to. But I'm telling you right now, that takes a radical, a radical transcending of the culture to live in a level of devotional heat and desire for God that transcends the world around you. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We're creating an atmosphere where folks can get the proper measure of fire. A love where faith can work. Come on. Right? And we can begin to walk in who we should be. Instead of keep on saying, I know what I could be. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know what I should. No, no, no. No, I should. Amen. We need a level of love to facilitate that. Faith works by love. So that's why I'm beaming. I, want, I need you in. Why do I need y'all in this environment? So you can learn the level of love that causes faith to flow. Amen. Because honestly, and it's already happening, it's, what we do in church ain't going to be just what we do in church. This is going to be, be, be what we just do all day, every day. Amen? And then in every area of our lives, business, ministry, marriage, you're going to see the blessing of God. The blessing of God on everything that's done. Because faith works. Faith is working. I want to pray for us today. Amen. I want to do an altar call. I just, I just want to pray, period. Amen. I want to pray, period. And my prayer tonight is, is that we as a people would break every barrier that keeps us from hearing a word that gives us grace to run. And all we want to do is nudge up a little bit. See, for those who receive this, this gives you the grace to run, but then there's some people that's going to do this. I mean, just move that much. And there's such a grace to move, but I'm going to just move this much because I want to kind of figure out, you know what this takes, a word like this? You're going to have to lose your life. He that loses his life. See, I, in other words... It's, this is a word that if I'm going to actually live out, I'm going to have to lose some of what I got going the way I got going it. And so many times we nudge forward in something we could have moved miles forward in. Only to be brought to the place where we end up doing it anyway. 